episode 20 gorilla social work podcast here we are we're back all right this episode of the podcast is brought to you by alpha counseling and treatment who is the largest and most respected provider for justice involved clients in need of sexual offense specific treatment services alpha is also a jri certified agency providing moral recognition therapy and substance use disorder treatment to justice involve clients you can be confident that the treatment you will receive with alpha will help keep you out of the criminal justice system alpha clinical professionals are trained and certified in cognitive behavioral interventions for sexual offending this evidence-based program teaches participants strategies for avoiding sexual offending and related behaviors The program places heavy emphasis on skill-building activities to assist with cognitive, social, emotional, and coping skills development. Visit more or visit to to find out more. Visit their website at utahsbesttherapy.com or you can call them directly at 801-645-5455. Alrighty, on the podcast today, we are going to talk about pornography great discussion on this one so uh you know stay tuned i don't know I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably not there's a lot of stuff I, they probably don't do <laughs> i picture they they're not like, even that cool I'm, i picture I they, they wrote the theme for like the disney light parade <laughs> porn over pirates it's, Alan, it's alan's favorite band <laughs> what do they have porn over pyros i don't know we gotta listen to them for pets pets that's Maybe not i don't care what i don't, am I looking I don't this up? want to look that up we gotta know <laughs> no yeah we don't sir i think if you do a search for porno and pyros <laughs> it's probably not gonna come up it's not gonna do anything good to your computer <laughs> yeah. I immediately just get pop-ups yeah cahoon's gonna pop-ups? cahoon's gonna come cartwheeling through the door and arrest your ass <laughs> Yo, comes over yeah. first. <laughs> his computer just starts smoking yeah. <laughs> it's got the worst uh, virus ever yeah. <laughs> like literally melt it's your actually screen. on fire because of the I porno love, ah. I, love, I love immediately yeah. too soon as you get clicked on <laughs> yeah doesn't even have time to heat up that's the that'd be the best the best virus on the planet (laughs) burns your computer that would be good yeah we should try that downloading porn to see if our computer who can get the worst virus it's like a virus competition (laughs) yeah first one to get arrested or first one to get arrested or aroused wins (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a Are you recording yet? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh good. Dude, did I? Um, did I? I I don't know if I told you about. I know you knew about that, but do you remember when? Um, I was running that group, and it was one of your clients who was discharging, and he had, and it was um, and he was going blind, and we said, and we said, and I said, well, what's the concern? Like, is he just going to look at like braille (laughs) porn? Yeah. And then, and then, oh yeah. And I started thinking. I'm like. Does that exist? Does Braille porn exist? And I just wanted to see, like, okay, obviously it just be, you know. So I Googled it, and uh, the only thing that came up with that was that uh, Robin Hood men in tights thing, yeah. which is actually pretty funny. That a blinking or the yeah blinking or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then I and then I just left it, and I didn't you know worry about it. But then I I pulled up because I was gonna um I had a video short that I was gonna show them in group, 
And I pulled it up, and in my Google search bar, one of the clients all, uh, why does it say Braille porn? And you're like, no, that's not what it looks like. <laughs> you see what happened was. <laughs> they didn't buy it no. at all, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. Yeah. It was a rough group. Rough like Braille porn. <laughs> they had a lot. Yeah. Got him. Yeah. Got him. So yeah. we are live then? We Absolutely. are live. Yeah. We're talking about live porn. Speaking of porn. Yeah. Jeez. So... Um, so yeah, I guess this, this topic is kind of interesting because, um, I think it's kind of a inherent in sex offender treatment, uh, that you probably ought to not be looking at pornography right. and, and not to mention that some of our clients, I would say what 20% maybe are here on a conviction for downloading illegal pornography or, or child pornography. Right. Is that fair to say? For, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Pretty right. good. Pretty good. Number 20%. That. Sure. So, um, I think for anybody listening to this, one of the things we try to say is understanding what the harmful effects of pornography really are and understand really why that is because, so people say clearly, you probably shouldn't look at pornography while you're in treatment, but understanding the reasons why that is, I think people really struggle with understanding why that is because I mean, most of the time it comes down to a moral argument, right? Like you hear people and they're like, pornography is bad. Well, why? Why is pornography bad? Right. And I'm not. Let me get out of the way. I'm not an advocate of pornography here. I'm not trying to say that. But I think if you try to approach a client and just simply say that pornography is bad, I mean, I don't know. What kind of problems do you, you guys run into with that argument? Well, it turns into, the, well, why? Why do you think that? And then you're just battling back and forth like uh, it's morality, like it just isn't healthy. It just turned, it's too generic. It, well, there, there's – I don't know. You, you guys tell me if it – but there's a couple common things. It's It leads to – a higher and higher threshold of more and more deviant stuff. And eventually, you know, you'll start with a, you know, a Victoria's secret and then you'll end up looking at child porn or commit a sex offense. So that's one thing that gets brought up that I'm sure we'll address here in a minute. So you're, you're talking about like the slippery slope argument, the slippery slope argument. So I started looking at Sears catalogs, you know, Sears catalogs, underwear. And before you know it, I'm, I'm downloading bestiality, child porn. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's that bestiality. Usually the yeah. next day. Yeah. yeah. That's so that, yeah. yeah so it's like a, <laughs> That's well. That's why Sears is closing. Actually, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Yeah, it's not Amazon. It's it's that Sears is the gateway drug. Nothing against Sears. We love you guys. And and, uh, then probably the one is it it objectifies women. So it turns it turns I guess or men really, but it turns a person into a sexual object. And that means if you're if you see everybody as an object for your pleasure, then you're it dehumanizes them and makes you less likely to see them as a person and treat them accordingly. So I think that those are two probably the most common reasons that people think that we have rules against looking at pornography. Wouldn't you say as far as maybe some of the, are you are you saying those are the more traditional traditional yes. arguments? I'm not that saying are, those are necessarily the the reasons that we look at because I but those are mm-hmm. probably the ones that get tossed our way and have actually kind of been the bread and butter of sex offender treatment when it comes to pornography. Okay, so so in other words, uh, um, with so almost the pornography thing, you, you're that's equivalent to something like the um, like the gateway drug argument, right? right. That if I uh, that if I smoke a marijuana joint or something when I'm 10, I mean, eventually I'll be slamming heroin, not, you know, before too long. Because that that is, argument. Okay, so this is just going to progress. So um, I just don't think those add up very well, to be honest. Ted Bundy 
is responsible, I think, for a lot of that. He he did he he released something in a documentary right before he went to the death chamber, and he he blamed pornography on his all his murders and necrophilia oh, yeah. and stuff. And that there that, was that, that, that interview with his therapist, huh? Yep, that kicked off a lot of that. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Um, I would say that's probably inherent to Ted Bundy. Okay, that's probably linked more with his personality versus how how this progresses like if i'm looking at because there's uh, if i'm looking at pornography the idea that eventually i'll be downloading child porn and then you know sharing that on some file sharing network or something like that is is silly for the vast majority of people ted bundy is i mean one in however many million right i think you're even being nice to ted there i think that that's a rationalization for murdering people. And he wanted to find a scapegoat besides that. He's a psychopath. Sure. I'm not saying, but the, 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 the problem is he probably believed it a little bit. He probably sure. okay. bought into that. He might yeah. a little bit. Um, but it, it certainly did set the stage for a lot of arguments to say, yeah, well, we ought to avoid this because this is eventually what it's going to lead into. Right. I mean, Ted Bunny was a sociopath, right? High level antisocial personality disorder. I think, I mean, if drugs were in his hands, think of that where it, where it would have went. You know, the gateway drug argument probably works really well with a guy like Ted Bundy because he has a compulsive nature about him, uncontrollable urges and desires that, you know, he wasn't able to get under control whatsoever that got to the point where he's actually murdering people and whatnot. I mean, he just got away with it for quite a long time because, you know, of a lot of his charisma and everything. But I don't know. I don't think that has a whole lot to do with that philosophy and that theory, you know, cause there's plenty mm-hmm. of people on this planet who only smoke weed their entire lives and never move on to another drug. Okay. And there's plenty of people who probably just watch normal, I guess, quote unquote, you know, uh, healthy or adult pornography and never move on to anything else. Most. Yeah. And I'm not, again, I'm not necessarily a pornography advocate. Let, let, let's make sure we emphasize that because that, that, this is one of those things where a lot of what we're about to probably start getting into is going to make us sound like we have a soft spot for pornography. It's just a matter of, but there are, it's important to sort through some of the, well, just like with the denial and empathy thing, right? I mean, we, we, we like it when our clients take responsibility for their offense or have an understanding of victim impact. It's not that we're against that. It's just not critical for treatment. So it's not as much of a focus. So Mm -hmm. when we're talking about the slippery slope argument, or the objectification argument. Well, I mean, that might still be hold some water, but I mean, ultimately that's even those, it's not that we hate those ideas. It's just that it's maybe a little bit misguided or maybe not backed by research. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the research doesn't, just doesn't bear that out that it, it leads to. And I used to think that I used to think that the slippery slope argument and that, you know, people that looked at pornography heavily and compulsively, would then go on to sexually reoffend because porn would no longer do it for him. And again, there's probably cases where that's happened, but the research just doesn't flesh that out. Well, and part of the thing I do with my clients, like especially when it starts off, like because I think people deal with that stigma, like the the old school stereotype, like oh, just just porn's bad just because it's bad. So I think that our clients can sometimes think that we think that way. Mm-hmm. So usually when I have a guy that's like, well, why? Like I, first thing I tell him is. First, I'm not going to tell you that it is bad. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say it's good or bad. It's a good approach. I say is. so. I always use this analogy. I just say, think of someone who's an alcoholic. Do I think there's plenty of people in the world that drink socially and it's fine and it's no big deal? Do I think that means alcohol is bad? No. 
Some people can drink and it's fine. There are also people that know they cannot be around alcohol and they cannot have a drink because they'll they'll go off the deep end and they'll drink. If you're if you're drinking every now and then, have fun with friends. Awesome, have fun. If you're drinking because you need to settle your nerves in the morning or you need to calm down, you have to have a drink all the time. Okay, then we need to address the problem. So the way I relate that to pornography is if hey you're in you're in therapy for a sex offense. We need to abstain from some sexual things that can be compulsive, that can be damaging. Sure. Get some distance from them. If down the road you decide you want to watch pornography and it's not you escaping something else, so be it. But yeah. if in the moment, if you're using it as an escape for something else, especially if you can't stop it, even though there's consequences like prison or jail, well, something else is going on and we need to talk that's about a, that. That's a good way of looking at it. I think if you're – I mean – so if you're if you're referencing compulsive behavior, I mean behavior that I know to be bad for me, and yet I can't control it, um, and you're referencing the idea that okay, if you're still doing this in violation of your probation or parole conditions at the threat of going to prison, that ought to worry you a little bit. And anytime this is where I think those old school arguments start to fall apart, because part of my ability, if I'm if I'm being a client. And you're trying to sell me that argument as to why I shouldn't look at pornography, which, by the way, folks, we don't want our clients to be looking at pornography, okay? Especially while they're in treatment. And we'll talk about the reasons why. But if I'm the client and you're trying to tell me, well, eventually, Mace, if you're looking at those if th- those images, eventually you're going to be looking at child porn. Okay, well, that's similar to education that comes through, like, the D.A.R.E. program. Right. You know what? If you, if you smoke that one joint, by God, eventually you're going to yeah. be – you know, snorting coke and slamming H. Like, no, that's not true. For the, some people, yes, that is true. That is very true for a lot of people that that one joint isn't going to be enough and they're going to want more and more and more. And eventually, you know, that progresses and becomes a problem. Uh, not, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I think that we, you talked about this on another podcast about the reason that that's a problem is, uh, you know, like when you get, when you hear that, you know, it starts with a joint and ends up, you're strung out in the gutter on heroin because of that joint. Uh, you know, when you, when you get a little bit older, maybe into high school and you, you hear the kind of the often repeated idea that one joint leads to this, but then you see some dude that smokes pot, but he's, you know, he's a successful athlete and he's doing good in school and immediately you realize, oh, well, maybe that was bullshit. And, and that, that might allow you to justify, you know, going off the rails a little bit. It's, it's, if false information isn't helping anybody. And so, yeah, like, these dudes shouldn't be looking at pornography. And again, Justin, I just kind of want to reemphasize that I like what you were saying, man. I, I, I guess I hadn't really ever thought about that the clients think we're automatically against these things. And so they might be trying to appease us by saying what they think we want to hear. Like, oh, yeah, porn's bad. Alcohol's bad. Yeah. All these things are bad, bad, bad. And it's like, kind of taking an amoral as opposed to moral or immoral approach. It's kind of a, a balanced, like, all right, well, here's the deal. Here's what it is. Here's what it isn't. Maybe one day you'll decide to resume looking but here here's the problem with it Mm -hmm. for you well yeah and i think in that sense gets them a little less defensive about it too like if you're not just stone like nope you can't ever do that it's bad you'll never want to do that again in your life but if you seem a little more down to earth about it like hey yeah in the middle like i'm not going to say it's good or bad but for you right now we don't necessarily know so we need to work on that but if you're engaging in that watching it every day it doesn't give you a chance to get some space from it and learn about it so whether you end up doing this on your own time down the road I don't, that's up to you, but we need to learn more about the intentions yeah, behind it. I think you're, I think, you know, cause, right. cause for sex offenses, it's not as if all anybody who looks at pornography, um, is now a sex offender. Right. And I mean, 
I don't know. Do all sex offenders look at pornography? I mean, a lot. I mean, you know, I'm not saying all of them do. I'm sure there's a, you know, a few that don't. But I, I'm not going to draw that conclusion that pornography it, it leads to sexual offending. A lot know. of non-sex offenders look at pornography. Well, right. So, <laughs> you know? so pornography in and of itself, I I try to say is more symptomatic than it is than it is what is the problem because okay so even like the idea of sexual objectification and i was i was pulling this up and this was um this is from our pals over at wikipedia it says sexual objectification is the act of treating a person as a mere object of sexual desire objectification more broadly means treating a person as a commodity or an object without regard for their personality or dignity Objectification is most commonly examined at the level of a society, but also can refer to the behavior of individuals. Here's a problem with this is if I'm, if I'm the way this is presented by other, uh, other individuals, namely therapists, if you sometimes just reference the fact that you're attracted to say a celebrity or a girl walking down the street for that matter, they'll reference that as being objectification. Well, not necessarily, because if that's objectification, then we're all objectifying each other all the time. Part Mm -hmm. of part of my desire to start up a social conversation with you is my attraction towards you. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly healthy behavior with another individual. That's how people procreate. Well, right. If everything is objectification then we've got a problem. I mean, I don't understand how you could possibly try to get to know a person's personality without initially being attracted to their appearance. Right? Well, my, my wife's sparkling personality isn't why I first started talking to her. I thought she had a nice butt and then I figured out, oh, and she's pretty. And then I went and talked to her and, oh, and she's cool. Jackpot. Right. You yeah. Know? But it wasn't, wasn't her personality that got my attention at first. Well, I, and th- <laughs> I think sometimes though, people developing relationships over time where maybe that wasn't the case. Maybe they weren't initially attracted to a person, but Maybe they worked with that person, and because they worked with that person, they developed a, an a, appeal for their personality and really got to know them a little bit better. And I think right? that was her case with me. Yeah. <laughs> totally fine. All those things are perfectly reasonable. I think that you be, to call it objectification all the time, does pornography objectify women? I think so. I mean, that's you know sexually objectification, of course. I mean, it, it, there's not much of a plot going on in those <laughs> no. things, you know. And again, this is this is where it, when I'm when I if you watch a, por- a porno, you're like you see very quickly where this is leading, and there's mm-hmm. no question about it. Sh- certainly, both men and women are used as sexual objects in a pornography in a you know pornographic film. That's what that's what they're designed for. So again, I can say that. Um, and I think that there is some merit to saying, does this teach you the wrong way to think about sex and sexuality? Yeah. I think right. that's a big part of it. Right. It's, it sets up, especially for children or kids, adolescents watching it, they think that's how it's supposed to be. And then if I get into a relationship and it's not this like hot thing all the time, well, then something's wrong. I'm, you know, In a sense, I'm turning off the ability to even be attracted to someone that I get in a relationship with. Right. Dude, That I so I've done – a few sexual behavior risk assessments over the past year that when I'm, when I'm interviewing these young teenage boys and and I'm talking to them about the dynamics of their offense, like they're, some of them are, are they're, they're choking the girl that they're with, Mm -hmm. you know, or like gagging them and use your imagination. And like, that's, that's like, part of and when i talked to them about it they for sure got the idea from pornography mm-hmm. and you know the big part of what took a encounter that started out as consensual uh 
took a wrong turn, but the girl probably got freaked out. I mean, like what, yeah. what 14 year old girls going to be used to getting like choked, you know? And so there, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of that kind of rough sex portrayed in, in pornography. And again, like, I mean, that's probably not even good for an adult to watch. Right. But I mean, like what a youngster is watching it and this is, this is their sex education. This is what they're learning about it. And, yeah. you know, and they're watching this porn and the girls liking this, you know, I'm liking in air quotes here. Uh, and so that's that's kind of what they think. Okay, this is how you know I want this. I want, I want to really impress this girl, and they start doing some crazy stuff. Sure, you know, yeah. Uh, like it's always got to be something new, or like the the quote unquote normal way of having sex is boring. Like we always got to be doing something newer and crazier. And then I think on the flip side of that, that women have to look a certain way. Like a girl has to look a certain way yeah. or act mm-hmm. a certain way. So or unrealistic just, ideas yeah. about what sex is supposed to be, or how a girl is supposed to be built, or maybe it also. I mean. Or how that's supposed to go down, right. like how it's. Yeah. I mean, no y- if you're a, yeah. <laughs> if you're a kid, if you're, and this is, I think, something true. Everybody should think about is in terms of your development as a as a child. How we, I mean, if we're basing this off of like social learning theory, we learn from things that are going on around us, right? Um, you, whatever your first um, interaction with or exposure to a specific, you know, I don't know, event is. You're going to measure every experience thereafter against that initial experience. So if my first exposure to learning about sex and sexuality is pornography, think about measuring every lame-ass sexual encounter I'm going to have from then forward against that, against that, that initial encounter with me viewing yeah. this on, on, you know, online or something like mm-hmm. that. Because initially, I mean, everybody, when they're first starting to have sex, everybody's a goofball. Yeah. Everybody. I don't care. It, does, it, it really does not matter what like book smarts you have going into this, you know, or what kind of research you've done on pornography, you're going to be a goof, the end, you know what I mean? Part of that's just the, you know, I guess the beauty of growing up. That just, you know, is part of the whole process. But I'm going to measure um, that initial experience against that. So something that should have been kind of a rite of passage, sacred, special, whatever it is, maybe it was because I was saving myself till marriage, whatever, now has been completely, you know, like just, it has now a fog of unreality attached to it because of what I viewed with pornography. The oh, expectation man. of what that's supposed to look like is now completely counter to what I have. I've and I'm is that actually my, and is there something wrong with me because of that? Am I doing right. something wrong, or I'm not a man, quote unquote? I'm not doing it the right way. So, so what do you think it, happens when someone has that as their first? The first thing they see is, <clears throat> you know, whatever. Pick a crazy scenario from a porn. You know, what if, if that's the first thing? Like, what do you think the effect is then? Well, I think what part of it is more and more the exposure time. Um, so there was a, um, I know there's a, I, there was a, a really good talk by a guy named uh, Gary Wilson. He did, um, it's called the the Great Porn Experiment. If anybody wants to Google that, it's a TED Talk. And he referenced uh, um, a researcher, a Canadian researcher. His name was uh, Simon Lajeunesse. And he had said something about that, I mean, most boys seek pornography by age 10. Okay. <laughs> That's so, I, yeah. that is so young, 10. but, but I mean, 10, what is that? Fifth grade, fourth the, grade, something like that. Fourth, fourth, Whoa. I think. Yeah. Jeez. But that's, but you're, you're really sexually curious and pretty fascinated by that time. Cause you're kind of in the initial stages of like, you know, puberty and stuff going through some of those things. And, um, but, Part of this, why he says that this is such a problem is the unending novelty that's associated with porn use. So in other words, 
I can, no matter what, uh, it's endless, okay? So my ability to access, I mean, millions and millions and and millions of videos immediately, anonymously, and for free, right, means that I'm just going to expose myself over and over and over and over again in an endless way. I mean, there's no other type of medium that that exists like that on the planet. Immediate, anonymous, and free. Well, there's a a documentary out there called – a drug called pornography. Uh-huh. It's kind of dated, but it, it's kind of fascinating, though. It's uh, well, that's where they do those cheesy interviews, right? Like those dudes. <laughs> dude, the best like... is the narrator. The, you remember the dude? He was the sensei for the Cobra Kai and the Karate Kid. That dude's a narrator. <laughs> <Really>? Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. he's he's the narrator in it. Yeah, it brought back some really good memories. Dude, I'd be in the Cobra Kai today if that existed. Yeah, that's nothing about that. Aren't they doing me. a remake? Yeah, yeah. So you could. Oh, about the Cobra Kai, huh? Yeah, the is that what it's about? I just saw the little clip on Facebook. Yeah, who did that? Yeah, who did that joke about the crane kick with Karate Kid? <laughs> I don't want to get off subject, uh-huh. but remember how they're saying like it's the one kick like you can no like, can defend no can defend. Actually, no, I can because I can it's, see it a mile yeah, away. Yeah, like I know, coming. I know exactly what you're gonna do. I right can now. take half a step backwards. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna miss. Yeah, stupid crane kick. But like. But again, what, what I just wanted to emphasize what you were saying, and if it's from a drug called pornography, great, but it's it's immediate, anonymous, and free. And mm-hmm. I mean, and so Mace, I'm going to kind of set you up here because you're good at explaining the effects of pornography on the brain as far as like the threshold effect. Sure. But, but uh, you know, imagine if like, you know, uh, meth were you could have it at instantaneously, no one for the most part, would ever know that you took it and you had an unlimited supply mm-hmm. and it was free. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that, like that, man, that really sets the stage for addiction. And I mean, in a sense, pornography is exactly that. It's a, it, you have it on your phone. No one's going to know you're looking at it. They have search modes on the internet specifically designed to d- disguise what you're doing. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, well, when we, and, and, um, you know, addiction is kind of a crazy word. And it's one of those top shelf words. And so I try not, I mean. What's about compulsion? Well, I don't know. Pornography addiction, for sake of of our discussion, we can just say that. I mean, it's tough. I I think compulsion, uh, you know, sexual behavior problems, compulsions, whatever you want to call them. Just because, I mean, if this is where people, you know, I'm, I'm addicted to Game of Thrones. Like, okay, come on. Like, I mean. That's a top shelf word that I'm now using inappropriately. It kind of drives me nuts. It's like when people say, I'm really OCD about cleaning my room. Okay. Like, I get you. Come uh, on. Well, dude. Addiction and, and, might not be applicable to pornography. And maybe I, not the best example, but in one of his stand-ups, Louis C.K. talks about that, how everything's the extreme word now. Like everything yeah. is explained in the stre- extreme word. Like everything's <laughs> hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. He's got a great yeah. bit on that. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it is true, though. Yeah, yeah. Like we just jump to the most extreme word. Well, the only reason I say that is because as appeal, and I'll talk about dopamine spikes but i mean as appealing as pornography is it can't compete with a shot of meth it can't compete with a shot of heroin i mean or a line of cocaine like it's not even comparable one i mean sure well, let's there, not call it addiction then. no no no. we can i think there, there's a lot of def, different definitions of this and i think for the purposes of this conversation what we ought to say is addiction is kind of this misattribution of important processes that go on in the brain okay so it, this is attributing um specific non-survival stimulus to be important for survival. Okay. So this is what I'm saying. Like this, this is, it reduces a person's ability to disengage from seeking and engaging, you know, that non-survival stimulus. So for example, 
if if you do this enough, and I and I and I start to convince my brain about these things enough, so drugs fit right into this category. I can start to. We talked about this on a previous podcast. I can now put drugs into a place right up there with food, right up there with shelter, right up there with water. In terms of like, I need this for my survival, and I trick my brain into thinking that that's the case. Well, you can do this with pornography to a degree too. You can do it with video games, Facebook, texting. I mean, any other manufactured sources. Of, of stimulation as being important survival. So that's the kind of the first thing. So when our brain kind of tells us that pornography is important to our survival, our focus on pornography tends to supersede our wants and desires that are not important for survival, which is why we kind of sometimes do this. So we'll spend an awful long, long time, like a considerable amount of time, uh, thinking about obtaining and maintaining this important resource that our brain now thinks we need. And that's when it becomes a problem. And you see this. So pornography. It's because of a dopamine <clears throat> dump, right? Correct. So that's that's why I said pornography's more use is more of a symptom. I've now tricked my brain into thinking that I need this. Okay. So it's not um, – Kevin McCauley says this really well. He has a documentary called Pleasure Unwoven. And he says mm. addiction is not um, – it's not a, a, a disease or a choice. It's a disease of choice. In other words, the choice part of my brain is broken now because of what I've done to it. So it's a disease of choice. My ability to choose or not to choose has been has been altered in a way chemically that I that I no longer have the capacity to make that choice appropriately. Okay. So, so that, <clears throat> that to be sure, people still have the capacity to choose. It's just in a way that th- that process has been hijacked. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So. Um, Again, if I can um, – and you, you would never get the physiological changes in brain chemistry that you would get with, with drugs. You'd just never get there mm-hmm. because the dopamine surges simply can't even compete, right? But the premise is still very much the same. So it's – I mean, anytime you think about the reward system or brain survivals, there's that neurotransmitter hormone dopamine, okay? This is the important chemical that tells us when we encounter – positive things. It tells us this is important, this is pleasurable, and you need to remember this. Keep okay? doing it. Right, right. So food, social resources, achievements, intimate relationships, all these are driven by dopamine, right? So it's pretty fascinating when you think about this. Like, um, <clears throat> So I'll give you an example, and um, I'll, st- I'll steal this a little bit, but if, if, you were, if you were out in the middle of the desert and – um, you had two options. Your ability and your the objective was you need to survive as long as you can, as long as you possibly can. And I'm going to give you two options. I'm going to give you this chocolate cake or I'm going to give you this cauliflower. Which would be the one that's going to help you survive longer? Well, the chocolate cake. Why? More calories. More. Ca- but do you need nutrition facts to tell you that? Uh, well, I don't know where I originally learned pull that. Your, probably pull your mic no, closer. No, no, no. Okay, I get what I get. What you're saying. The the uh, I'm I'm drawn towards the cake because my body's telling me that's what I need. Right. So you're well. Is that but, what you're getting at? Well, how do you know there's more calories in that chocolate cake, though? Well, I mean, you're saying without. I mean, I literally know the nutrition facts, but I mean, there's there's tons of sugar in it. There's there it is. Your so this is kind of the fascinating thing about it. The taste. How pleasurable that is to eat chocolate cake tells you that's more calories. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. I follow you. If you think about that, that's pretty amazing. We have a built-in mechanism in our brain that tells us this food has more calories versus that food. 
eat this if you want to survive. That's awesome. Right. That's a great way of explaining it. Now, here's a, here's something that's really kind of that kind of troubles us too. Okay. Last time I checked, sex feels good, correct? Right. Okay. We're one of about five animals on this planet that experience pleasure when we have sex. Okay. Imagine a world where humans did not experience pleasure when they had sex. We probably wouldn't be here. We wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> because think about how other animals know how to procreate. What do they rely on? Well, instinct, I don't know, uh, uh, heat, uh, season, like kind of this, not seasonal. So like a, that's not what I'm trying to say. Seasonal, yeah. yeah. Seasonal, like a timing yeah. thing. Yeah. Right. Instinct, a lot of that. Oh, yeah, pheromones, right? So animals who don't, animals who don't rely on, and, and I'm sure some science buffs will be like, these guys are idiots. What we're saying <laughs> yeah. is they yeah. don't rely on pleasure. They don't need to know that, you know, a chicken or a rooster who's going to go fertilize eggs. It's not like homeboys like, oh, yeah, these eggs feel so good. You know, like they're not. Oh, yeah, like an elk and rut or whatever. Right. It's just sort of programmed into them. Yeah. They don't They don't, They don't. don't have that reward system built in. It's instinctual, and that's why they do it. So there's no pleasure component to it. So this is a problem because now uh, sex is an actual survival mechanism that, that we're now manipulating. There's no, there's no artificiality to it. The artificiality is the stimulus with which we're trying to, tri- we're trying to stimulate an actual me- like physical uh, survival mechanism, which is sex. So the pornography s- stimulates that. So this, ar- this reward system already involves in our brain, but we're, we're reactivating and activating again and manipulating chemistry that is is intended for our survival 100%. Seems like in that case too it, like the reward system being hijacked in a way so tying that in with something sexual being that there's a part of you that quote unquote does need that. Mm-hmm. So th- say for example you, you can make the same argument maybe with addictive traits with pers- for the uh, pornography that someone is going out and, and being promiscuous and hooking up compulsively with other people. The only difference with that is that's maybe not quite as accessible all the time. So I would say maybe with pornography, having much a much smaller or limited reward system that's got to be like based on consumption almost. Mm-hmm. Just I got to get it now. I got to get it now because I can get it right now. Right. Yeah. Well, hey, and I mean, this might be a bit of a deviation from what we're talking about, but a lot of the guys that we work with are can be pretty socially anxious, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and they maybe don't have the skills or the confidence or the history of being able to flirt with and pursue a relationship with, you know, somebody that's of the right age or anything for that matter. And so a lot of times they'll, they'll withdraw and look at pornography and they just kind of keep that, that urge at bay through, through the use of pornography. And again, if, if we're understanding that dopamine is a chemical, a pleasure chemical that incentivizes us to repeat a behavior. So like this podcast is a good time. We laugh, we bullshit, we learn stuff. And uh, that, that incentivizes us to keep churning these out. We also like all the downloads pretty sweet. feels good. We like to keep turning these podcasts out. Well, the, the pleasure that we get from sex, or at least the, at least the anticipation of pleasure is what compels us to pursue uh, somebody to hook up with or settle down with or whatever it is. And so pornography basically, again, shortcuts the, the intention of that dopamine release because rather than now having to go through the process of getting up the courage to talk to this girl and say, uh, how do I, what do I say to her, you know, and, and going through the process yeah. that, that gets you a, a, you know, a sexual partner, it's okay. I just log, I log on five minutes later. I don't feel the urge anymore. And, and, uh, the people kind of stay perpetually, 
not really quite happy, but satiated enough that they don't take that risk to go talk to somebody. Well, that's exactly, I think, in a really generic sense, that cycle is, you know, at some point, whether I'm younger or older, I get introduced to this, we'll say pornography in this case. That's pretty fun. That's cool. That feels good. So my brain's definitely going to remember that. It's going to imprint that. Okay, this feels good. This is pleasurable. Okay, this feeling over here, feeling inadequate, feeling shy, feeling scared to talk to someone is not pleasurable. That's something I want to avoid. Okay, I know what feels good and I know what I can get to right away. Maybe it's not solving the problem of meeting someone or whatever it is or just being stressed out at work, but... Yeah, that felt good. I can use this, and this helps right now. Right. So it kind of creates this cycle in a sense of I want to avoid this, so I want to feel this. Well, and, it, and it's it's also, it's awfully convenient, though, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, so kind of that – when I referenced the drug called pornography, um, the, the, I was going to – they say that there's a AAA engine to this. Okay, so it's a it's affordable, it's free. I mean, nobody if anybody's paying for pornography, you're paying too much. Like, <laughs> I don't care if you got the dollar ninety nine special, you're paying too much. Um, it's accessible. I can ex- I can access it twenty four seven. I mean, you know, and then and then I'm anonymous when I look at it. So it used to be, you know, back in the olden days, I guess, when you had to go get a Playboy off the shelf, you know, or something like that. There's a little level of maybe some social you know, shame or something like that associated with that, which would serve as a deterrent sometimes, yeah. you know, or I'm walking into, what's that store downtown Ogden? Mr. B. Mr. B. Yeah. And, and you would have, I mean, coming, walking out of there. Well, I mean, that takes, and that's more time. Like I got to get up and I got to leave. I got to drive down there. I got to right. walk in, board my phone. Time, time you're halfway down right. the block. You're like, yeah. never mind. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> It, it, same same thing with hooking up with somebody. Okay, even I gotta go out and go somewhere. Even if this is you know um, the the whole booty call type of thing, right? I, it reminds me of that show Bridesmaids when oh, John yeah. Hamm has that girl over. You know, they just got through doing doing what they were doing, and then he's like, "Oh, he's like stretching. He's all, I'm gonna miss you so much." <laughs> oh you know, yeah, yeah. Say, and so like. I, 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 there's a, there's a, an uncomfortable awkwardness sometimes to that, that I need to deal with now. And some people aren't really willing to put up with like what you're referencing, Jeff. Um, I would say evolutionarily is very, um, new. I mean, in the grand scheme of human, you know, human beings on this planet in terms of I'm settling down with this one mate and we're going to be monogamous within this. That, that's not, I mean, if, if, Getting it while the gint was good, as many as I possibly can, was evolutionarily what we were programmed to do, and that's why we were given this pleasure thing associated with sexuality. That wouldn't make a ton of sense, you know, back in the day, and and it makes way more sense now. In fact, I try to say that, you know, sex in terms of we know that that is a survival component, but it deserves an asterisk on it now, you know, in terms of our survival mechanisms yeah. because – Technically, we don't even need to have sex anymore in order to reproduce. Okay. I mean, we can, we have technology has now superseded that. We can artificially inseminate. We're damn near cloning people already, right? So it does have an asterisk on this. But, but the, the problem with this is this is not an artificial, this isn't like drugs. Drugs are, I can trick my brain into thinking that drugs are necessary for my survival. But that's not true. We know that's not true. We, we all, Sex, though, is. It's necessary for procreation of my species. Now, I'm not saying a person needs sex, right? If you put some dude on an island and he never had sex again, he's probably going to be all right. You know, like <laughs> he might be really frustrated, but he'll yeah. be okay. So instead, I say. Chop down a lot of trees. Yeah. It, it turns into a ranking system, right? So if I look at my ranking system in terms of my survivability, 
Well, air probably takes first priority, water, food, shelter, so on and so forth down the list, right? Of things I absolutely need. Sex is probably at the bottom. I mean, actual survival, it's probably at the bottom. Right. Pornography tricks your brain into putting that in the top position. Yeah. So now I think that I need this more than anything. Okay. And this is, this is where, um, they kind of call this, um, the, uh, the Coolidge effect. Okay. So this was, uh, this was same in that same Ted talk, this guy kind of talked about that and he was saying that for each novel mate. Okay. Um, then that I'm kind of getting to this, my brain releases the whole go get it chemical. I get that neurochemical dopamine and, and that comes along with each new image that I get to see on the screen. So for each new mate that crosses my path, whatever porn star I'm looking at or scene that I'm looking at, I get a new dopamine spike. Okay. So this unending novelty that we're talking about, if that didn't exist, then if that, that, that Coolidge effect didn't exist, internet porn wouldn't even exist either because there'd be no need for it at that point. You think Coolidge like the president? No, <laughs> I hope not. Does Calvin a porn addict? That dude's just, <laughs> dude, no, you're thinking of Kennedy, bro. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that guy, <laughs> that yeah. guy was, yeah, man. Well, kind of what you're saying is a huge part of that too, and that's, that's usually a, a portion of the conversation I have when we talk about, okay, why should you not watch porn even if you don't mm-hmm. feel like it's a problem for you? So the thing about the idea of going through treatment is generally speaking, I'm probably diving into some things and working through some difficult things which can bring up more uncomfortable feelings, more difficult feelings. So let's say I'm not addicted to porn so in the sense of strengthening or reinforcing neural pathways if i start to associate porn with hey this felt uncomfortable i need to turn to this that potentially could become a problem for you so we're saying while you're in treatment you don't want to necessarily rely on something like that as your coping mechanism or possibly have that turn into a coping mechanism yeah. and our, i don't think our brains are cut out for it man i, I really don't like yeah. think about this it's too okay. high level right with too internet porn intense. a guy can see more hot chicks in a matter of 10 minutes than a hunter-gatherer ancestor could could have seen in several lifetimes. Right, bop, right. Bop, 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 and I see all of them right then. And like the level of stuff they have been doing. I mean, there's a great South Park about it where they, they lose internet. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> but the problem is we have a hunter-gatherer brain like we do. So yeah, we're still the same animal. Right. So our brain, our brain hasn't necessarily developed this. So, I mean, if, and the value that's assigned to like an addictive stimulus like that kind of depends on how much dopamine is released. Right. And that's, that's where I'm saying it kind of doesn't, it doesn't like, if you think about, okay, food, if I, if I get some real good comfort food, you're looking at about 150% increase above baseline of normal production of dopamine. Right. Which is good. We wouldn't know that five guys taste awesome unless that dopamine was there. So it's good that that exists. I'm not talking crap on dopamine. Right. Um, and th- like nicotine, that's, you know, the widely, uh, one of the most widely addictive drug of choice in the, across the world, right? That increases dopamine production about 200%. So just a little above something like five guys, right? Oh, dude. So is chocolate cake, like the pornography of food, <laughs> you know, where does that exist in nature? You know what I mean? No, it's, it's like, there's tons of sugar and chocolate that, and all this awesome stuff. Which, is, which is like in a weird way. I think part you know of the saying? reason we have an issue with like diabetes and not, not across the board. Dude, the we're not cut out for, we're not yeah. cut out for chocolate we're not, cake. We're man. not made to have this kind of food over and over and over. So that's so like, good. Yeah. We're like, how, where, where can you get that much awesome taste packed into, you know, a, 
whatever a, a, well, that, a few bites in the, like, how many bananas do you have to eat to get that much that is a big part yeah. of that like mace was saying like our brains aren't cut out for it I actually don't think they really are with that kind of food either because our yeah. brain is thinking well i don't know what i'm going to eat next this has a shitload of sugar you better just keep eating that get more get more dude like yeah. th- this weekend like my, my wife and i we got like a craving it you know like 10 at night or something we went out to dylan's <laughs> i i got myself like a large chocolate or no cookie dough shake oh, with like yeah. extra cookie dough yeah you always got to get and the extra, extra cookie, cookie dough. dough well if you're yeah, gonna get it you might dough. as well go all out you it kinda, was mostly cookie did you go to jake's no i went no, to dylan's. dylan's it's close oh, to my dylan's. house but yeah. you, you kind of whisper it though you're like can i get a chocolate can i get a <laughs> cookie dough shake extra cookie yeah, dough. it's like guilty and then that guy's like that guy's like uh what'd you say sir sir um extra cookie do dough. i love jake <laughs> did you yeah. say extra cookie dough you're like god damn it well if you're gonna twist my arm into it that's what i love about jake's if you get cookie dough extra cookie dough you basically just get a brick of cookie dough with like a little ice cream they just give you a log of pills berry and say here you go yeah with jake's oh. with jake's i mean you have this so the, the cup's like huge and then it comes way up they, they live up to their name over the top so i mean like the, the amount of calories packed into that and just how oh, yeah. awesome it tastes like it's the same thing as pornography you know like so a lot of modern day society is but we've which is cool i mean i love technology and i'm not bagging it i'll have a chocolate shake tomorrow or whatever but we're we're not like our old school homo sapien body that's rooted in the hunter gatherer thing still we haven't we haven't our our uh, biological evolution is not caught up to what we've developed well, and just not even caught up to the internet in general just having that that vast source of information at your fingertips all the time and then mm-hmm. adding in pornography to a part of that i think mm-hmm. in general we're not wired to handle just that just like overstimulated with oh, everything yeah. yeah everything well even even something that so if you think about i mean okay well, and you could make the argument. Well, we're saying, all right, well, what about things we were wired to appreciate? What about like sexual intercourse? Right, well, sexual intercourse increases dopamine of about 250%. So just a little above cigarettes, right? That's where we're... That's oh, really? Where, yeah, about about that. Right, that's kind of about where we are. Um, and then, but here's, here's the weird thing about pornography. Pornography is even higher than sex. Than sex? Yeah. Pornography output is higher than sex because of all the things that we were talking about with Justin, because... There's a lot of social problems that, well, not, I, I don't want to say problems. Um, inconveniences. Inconveniences. <laughs> yeah. That come along with engaging in sexual intercourse with another person. Yeah, right. Because there's another person involved. Correct. Uh, yeah. There, so more if, risk. if I'm simply yeah. identifying that this person is, is there for, as a vehicle for my sexual pleasure, right? Well, not, that never happens in a bubble. Like, I mean, you know, the, the, I mean, didn't they make a movie about that? Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake? Mila, I love her. <laughs> love you. But yeah, yeah to nice. friends with benefits, know. and they yeah. kind of say, "Well, there's no such thing. It just turns into nonsense eventually." Which I believe that does. Like it probably does turn into nonsense after a while, right? You develop feelings, so on and so forth, like they did, or you're worried about other people finding out because of the social implications, a number of things, right? John Ham trying to get homegirl out of his bed and everything. So here's the thing, but the it increases dopamine above that, but it also maintains output for much longer because of the novelty. Cause I can just click and click. Uh, if I got the same girl sitting in front of me, it's not like, I mean, wait a minute. Like, you know, it usually when guys finish their business, they go to sleep, they're done. Well, no, nah, I, I can look up another girl, you know, well, 10 like, minutes later, I'm re- ready and rock and rolling to go. Some of our clients, I mean, how long have they looked at pornography for sometimes? I've had years, guys tell decades, me, no, 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 I'm saying at one point, like oh, at one sorry. point in time, I said all day, all day, yeah. all day yeah. long. I mean, who 
I'm sure there's exceptions, but I mean, who's having sex with their partner all day long? Not, not, probably not most. Right, yeah. exactly. So, and it increases, the output is is much faster, right? And it can give you more there. So like, like cocaine, something like that, you know, you're looking about a 400% increase above baseline. So clearly, again, pornography can't really compete with this, right? But your brain interprets pornography to be extremely valuable. Re- remember, you're not using, you're not, stimulating the thinking part of your brain. You're stimulating the dumbest but most efficient part of your brain. Your midbrain is incredibly stupid. It does not know anything. It just knows this feels good. Do more of it. That's all it knows. It's the go get it part of your brain that says do this more, right? You're not really thinking about it. So you're stimulating an incredibly stupid part of your brain that can't differentiate between those things. That's why People just, you know, just, oh, Cinnabons. I've never had this before. Like, <laughs> your your mind was not cut out for Cinnabons. Those are so good. But yeah. You shove those in your face and they taste awesome, right? And you're, I mean, you're, you cognitively, well, yeah, you can think about this and say, <laughs> this is the reason why we, why we choose not to eat Cinnabons into oblivion is because our cortex tells us, <laughs> That's probably bad for you, bro. You yeah. probably ought to not do that. If it was all midbrain, everybody would be dying from Cinnabon overdose like on <laughs> a daily true. basis. Yeah. Wait, I don't know why Louis C.K. keeps coming up, but he's got a great bit on that too. On Cinnabon? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, it, uh, one thing I was going to bring up with you guys is I, I, I think in the near future, if not already, we're going to be kind of dealing with people advocating a harm reduction aspect of, of pornography. I've had several clients over probably the past year or so talk about CGI pornography, specifically CGI child pornography. Mm-hmm. And, and a couple of them were saying it's, it's kind of the same thing as like a methadone clinic, you know, where you're getting like a less severe version. So that the idea is that through computer generated imagery, you can depict a child engaged in sexual acts with an adult and it's no harm, no foul. Cause it's not a victim. And I mean, like that's not the route we want our clients going, but I think what's going to happen is I, I think that's going to come up. I think we're going to be exposed to it. I don't know if, if you guys caught wind of that or heard people talking about that yet. I've heard some mentions of that. Yeah. Out of, out of the gate it's, for me, it's just like, man, that's all. It's a lot of effort to put into that for something that to me is just replacing an unhealthy coping mechanism with an unhealthy coping mechanism when it's like just getting to the root of it in terms of a harm reduction, possibly it doesn't fit. I don't, the, I don't know, but it's, it but doesn't I, fit I, the model though. Well, but I think, I think that a lot, I think there are, we're going to be faced with, I don't know if like treatment providers are going to buy into this, no. but, but I think that we're going to so be my looking arg- at that. Here's my argument against that. Okay. There, there's never ever a good way to do illegal drugs. Okay. There's just no good way to do them. I'm not saying people don't have fun on them, okay? I'm not saying are there potential health benefits to marijuana? I don't know. Maybe. I don't research it. I don't, you know, I, I mean, for my clients, getting into a moral argument about something like weed, I don't know. I mean, I just, one thing I do know about marijuana in Utah, guess what? It's illegal. That's all I need to know mm-hmm. for my clients. And so you, we can talk all day about it cures cancer or it helps me think my anxiety. I'll cede that argument. I'll agree with you. Still illegal. Like, yeah, sure, but it's illegal. Right. And I'm not saying, I'm not bagging on marijuana. What I'm saying is, look, my objective is to keep you out of the criminal justice system, not have, not encourage you to keep smoking weed. Because you can tell all that to a judge and be like, your honor, here's all my studies for this. He's like, all right, cool. See you in jail. And well, that's going to be the end of it. Well, what about for non-justice involved clients? As like Again, and 
let me be perfectly clear. I am not advocating CGI pornography or child pornography as a viable treatment solution. I, I, what I'm wondering is, do you think that that's going to be something that we're faced with or we're going to have to deal with or there's going to be people advocating for it or pushing for it? Or, no. Okay. Because here's, here's the difference. Because of that? No. Here's the difference. So there's no good way to do illegal drugs. And illegal drugs, yep, again, right. are putting a, a manufactured and artificial stimulus into my brain and tricking me into thinking that I need this now for survival, a.k.a. drugs, right? right? Me, so methadone or medication-assisted treatment is basically treatment for that now diseased part of your brain. We created pills and, and – and, you know, strips and, and, uh, you know, fluids and whatnot to help with this. Right. So now here's our harm reduction model. And so people say, well, you're just trading one drug for another. Not really. That's not really how it works. We talked about this in a previous podcast. So we agree. There's no good way to do illegal drugs. There's always a good way to have sex. There's a healthy and, and, and a good, you know, positive, healthy, and, and, rewarding way to have sex with a partner. So that's that's the that's the difference between this. You can't ever do drugs in the right way. There's no good way to do drugs. I mean drugs I mean I'm not you know drugs are bad. I'm not Mr. Mackey here. I'm saying D- devil's advocate, what about an exclusive pedophile? That, uh, Har- that like as far as the harm redu- like I, again, devil's advocate, I do not condone this, but like the uh, as far as like an exclusive pedophile that maybe was not involved in the legal system that is not attracted to adults, only attracted to children. They, they have a moral qualm with looking at a child that's a, or an actual child that's being abused. And so the idea being if they look at computer generated imagery uh, in lieu of actually acting on their sexual impulse, either hands on or through viewing a real child, that that would kind of fit the mold. Like what, what do you think that's going to be something we're looking at? No. I, Same having, reason still? Well, okay, so... As far as, like, there's no way, good way to do a drug, there's no good way to, to look at porn. I mean, again, like, you're, I mean, I'm probably on board with you, but, but you don't think we're going to even be facing that. The, well, the other thing is, uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Sorry to use a... <laughs> you, if you can... If I can... Here's, here's what I'm trying to say here. If you think about... <laughs> i just no, throw no, that in there. No, no. Here's the thing... You got think, me laughing. Now. Yeah. <laughs> here, think about this, though. <laughs> Think about this. Yeah. So if if you can, <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking man. of jerky. I can't boys. stop laughing. Yeah. Man. What is that yeah. on jerky boards? Where he said, "Whatever's good for the goose is good for my son." <laughs> yeah, that's not what the expression son. is. <laughs> Think it. Okay. Yeah. If if we're if we're saying that a person can can orient themselves and eventually send the like desensitize themselves so much to regular intercourse by viewing pornography. Um, habitually, right? So, um, desensitization is kind of like that uh, general dialing down of, of the responsiveness of, of to all pleasure, right? So, if I overload um, my uh, and, and prolong my dopamine production, eventually, I'm going to see um, uh, my my synapses are going to change, and the normal functioning, you know, dopamine is released in the synapse received by those receptor sites, it's not going to register as it previously did because I'm expecting more of it over time. And so then it takes more and more to now be pleasurable, right? There comes a slippery slope argument. So think about our, our folks who look at child porn. Nobody ever started looking at child porn. There was a natural progression over time that evolved into that, right? And it became riskier and riskier over time. Well, if I can, if I can desensitize myself to these things and become more aroused to other things, 
that can also happen with a person who is exclusively uh, um, attracted to children. Okay, so a person could do that, or or risk management. Again, if homeboy's not, you know, ever having sex in his lifetime, you know, or having to look at those images from, is he gonna die? Well, no, no, his quality of life may not be as fruitful as others. So if we're trying to increase arousal towards healthy mates, if we can, let's do that. Let's try to increase his appreciation for whether he's heterosexual or homosexual or whatever it is for adult partners. We can try to do that to the degree that we can try and try to increase his arousal to that. If not, right, well, then the other option is he needs to exercise risk management and, you know, I mean, reinforcing sex with children is probably never a good idea ever right right. digital and or otherwise so you seem pretty convinced that we're not going to be looking at that i hope you're right i think i'm sure Uh, that argument will come up more it actually being carried out you mean like it'll be talked about but not actualized yeah hopefully um, one thing I want you to circle back around to may might confuse people. You, you talked about how no one starts out looking at child pornography. They build up to it. And that might confuse people that just heard us say that the slippery slope argument isn't valid, but it, it, it there's kind of like a little subsection of that with regard to child pornography, as far as the dudes that maybe are attracted to looking at that, that I don't know. How, how do you suppose that unfolds? Do you think it's like they, they want that they kind of always already have the proclivity and then maybe it's a, uh, it's a moral descent. So in other words, like if, if you have somebody that's not attracted to children, they're probably never going to willfully look at child pornography, even through the whole desensitization slippery slope, slope argument. Whereas somebody that has pedophilic attraction may very well want to look at child pornography, but maybe have a moral boundary against it that through looking at pornography over and over and over starts to erode that moral boundary. And then justify looking at what they originally wanted to look at to begin with, that being child porn. I think both can pop probably exist, although, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of my clients say their their desire to look at child pornography has had a whole lot to do with just there's a risk element. I was never... Yeah, yeah, yeah the thrill-seeking. Yeah. yeah. That's true. I know it's illegal, and that's part of the reason why I'm really... Tr- so this goes back to that comp- that need for dopamine spikes. It has nothing yeah, to do I've necessarily with... i got to increase the intensity of what right. I'm pursuing. So yeah. that seems more genetic and more personality-driven than my sexual interest, in other words. So that whole idea... I mean, in the beginning of kind of forming this this addiction or, or sensitization, desensitization, or the driving force in establishing that happening, not everybody is susceptible to that the same, okay? So this is the reason why some people, so if we're just referencing food here, mm-hmm. some people literally feel as if they can't control their food intake and need to eat high caloric food over and over and over and over, whereas other people feel like they're more in control of that, okay? And other people have diets and other people take their, you know, their form very seriously. That might be genetically determined though. It is. Well, I mean, they've, they've already determined that about 40% yeah. of what drives addiction is predisposition to that. Now that doesn't mean I'm, I'm bound, I'm going to now be addicted to this, right? If, if I'm a right. genetic low responder to something like alcohol, then what all that says is that it takes more alcohol to get me drunk compared to the average bear. In other words, I'm now more I'm no, more susceptible to becoming addicted to alcohol because of the effects that it has on my body. 
Okay. So that driving force, you know, like pornography as a new highly rewarding stimulus that's important to us for survival. Once that establishes, then that hyperfrontality acts as in a way that ensures that the new resources now maintain. So I want to keep that as long as time. I'm, this is the thing that I, I want to maintain over time because this is the most important thing. And I set a new set point for this. Okay. So that, the that idea that my, I have a new set point for what my expectation is. Okay. So I now say, um, the only thing that's going to get me aroused is if I'm watching, you know, name your category in pornography. Okay. Now that's the thing that gets me aroused. But then now if I look at that prolonged, I'm now resetting that to another high level. So things that normally would have been very sexually enticing, something like, uh, Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition are nothing to me now. Like they mean nothing to me because my set point has now changed. My hedonic set point is now new and I've become to this expect it, expect this. And without those dopamine surges, I feel off. I feel like something. That's a, that's a scary idea when you you think of Mm -hmm. the internet access that kids have now that maybe we didn't have when we were younger. Like think about like a kid having a phone or a tablet, like seven, eight, nine, like watching that. We don't know what that's going to look like. Like someone watching porn frequently for that long into their adulthood, how that's going to impact them. Mm-hmm. That's pretty scary. Yeah. Well, and it's uh, – <laughs> well, this is uh, – I mean, this is where this is where sometimes it, it – so, again, anytime you can frame this in a person's mind, especially the clients that we work with, that this is in their own best interest to address this, right? Um there's that whole idea that, you know, the mid, our midbrain eventually gets messed up. And then this is where sometimes you see a lot of guys that, I mean, if I have too much dopamine, it can override our Nash, our natural satiation mechanisms that can just happen over time. And then what happens now is I'm, I'm no longer even able to gain an erection off anything. So there's like this porn induced erectile dysfunction, Mm -hmm. which if you really focus on that, like that, Above all other reasons, like, okay, hold on a second. So not the moral argument and not the objectification argument. If I tell you that your penis isn't going to work in the future by looking at this, you might reconsider looking at pornography in the future. (laughs) Right. Well, there's an aspect of that of, I think, being patient with yourself. Like like you were saying, if if we can say it's addictive or whatever, if I'm going Mm -hmm. off what my midbrain is constantly convincing me that I need, which we know the midbrain is not really making decisions especially not good decisions, but that's also impacting my frontal lobes. Like if I'm taking that ability away from them, mm-hmm. I have to get some distance from the from that, from whatever the behavior is, for me to start to reconnect how to make healthier decisions, how to make better decisions. Because when you're first trying to get away from something, it is going to feel impossible. It is going to feel like you can't do it. Sure. Until you start to get some distance from it, until you, in a sense, that there's, a, there's an aspect of, I, in therapy, I'm not like a, just stop therapist. But there are some times where like, you really do need to cut down on this. Like, you really do need some distance while we work on this because if you're just engaging in it over and over, there's no way you're going to get past it. Right. right. You can't exactly. – we, we, I think we um, – I can't remember which one we talked about that in. Your motivations should evolve over time and you know, appreciating the benefits of staying abstinent from that behavior long – if I can stay abstinent from it long enough to appreciate the benefits from it, then I'm actually going to get it. But sometimes they just don't – it just doesn't work like that. Well, I, I think the – as far as like a selling point to clients, as far as getting them to at least be on board with stopping it, that that's going to get the most traction. I, I, I feel like – because it, well, it, it feels real, right? Sure. Whereas some of the – 
maybe some of the previous reasons that other people say don't use pornography, it, it, it doesn't resonate as well with them or it doesn't really seem believable. So, I mean, it's, as far as buy-in goes, there's that. Sometimes I'll tell guys, and I mean, it's half true. I'll just say, you know, you're in trouble for something sexual. And, you know, since uh, pornography is against stipulations, your ability to abstain from looking at pornography tells me that you have a handle on sexual behaviors. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of a half-assed rationale behind getting them to buy into not looking at pornography. But I at least say, you know, th- this shows me that you do have some control over, over your sexuality. And, you know, if you go this you know, these 18 months without looking at pornography, you know, I, you obviously have good impulse control. I can lower your risk when I score you on impulse control. Right. And that person may not be susceptible. Normalizing it's probably a, a good thing too. I mean, this whole binge mechanism piece that comes with our brain, like for food or sex, again, that at one time was an evolutionary advantage at one point. So it's like, you know, it helped us all kind of get it while the getting was good, right? This is, this is why wolves sometimes will, pack it down to you know, like 20 something odd pounds of meat per kill or if it's mating season you're the alpha male you're you know banging everybody in sight right but here's the question that you have to ask them well what if mating season never ends well it never ends when you're watching internet porn right yeah and first that tells your brain okay good job because now you've hit the evolutionary jackpot but then the other part though is is that chronic consumption it, it messes up and distorts those natural rewards and then it promotes a, a cycle of binging and craving. So I binge, and then I want that, and then I crave that. So this is often when I, I eat something that's really high caloric or I'm doing that. It's hard to get away from those things because now I've created, again, that new hedonic set point that says, okay, this is where we see all those changes. That numb pleasure response kicks in. Everyday ple- pleasures leave porn, a- porn addicts dissatisfied. They're desensitized to this. At the same time, those other physical changes that make them hyper-reactive to porn, like sensitization. So now if I hear clicking on a computer or if I even look at a computer screen, for God's sake, everything else in life seems really boring, but porn will fire up that circuit. So it makes me feel normal. Yeah, end of the day, I lay down in in bed with my phone, and that's where I usually look it up. So automatically, that starts firing, like you were saying. Right. So that's a big part is like, what what about my routine is automatically triggering this? I don't even know it. Well, and, and the other piece is we want our cortex to kick in and take over this, but your willpower eventually erodes. Mm-hmm. It, it goes away. You know, your willpower is – your your cortex is essentially the CEO of your brain making these decisions, but it becomes inhibited. It doesn't work. And so they everybody has that same neurological underpinnings that are triggered when that molecular switch is, is hit, and that's where we run into a lot of problems. So I think, it, you know, those in my estimation – if you get down to the point where, you know, um, erectile dysfunction, where if you were able to talk to somebody like that and say internet porn is is killing your ability to perform sexually, right? Um, man, you're making a really good argument and saying you'll never appreciate people. You'll never appreciate sex if you don't get away from this. You'll never appreciate a normal, healthy relationship, which ultimately I think a lot of the clients we work with want an intimate connection with another human being. You know, they want to be close with another person. They want to have healthy relationships. You're never going to get there if you're looking at porn continually. And that achieves a lot more buy-in than, again, kind of come back to the objectification thing. Like, it'd be great if we could naturally get dudes to realize that maybe the way that porn teaches them to view women isn't great, but 
in uh, up front what I think everything that you guys just said um, is a lot more palatable for a client that's still trying to figure all this crap out. Totally. I want them to be I want them to be in a relationship with a female, right? But man, other some people take it overboard. Like the oh, if you see R-rated movies, cover your eyes when there's new. Come on, dude. Like if you're, <laughs> yeah. a tra- some if, of it's got to be normal. If we're worried about a dude child molesting and he sees an adult female and becomes attracted to that, like please look at more of that. Like I'm not saying go look at porn. I'm saying that's good that you show an yeah. attraction towards that female who's an adult on t- on screen right now. That's a good thing. Don't cover your eyes for those things. How you respond to that. If you go back home and you're masturbating 10 times a day to whatever that image was, yeah, we may have a problem with, again, my, my, uh, my sexual, I guess my sexual compulsions and my preoccupation with sex. That's the problem. Pornography is more of a symptom of the underlying sexual preoccupation and probably some of these addiction qualities that are going on in the brain, which we really need to educate them about. If you educate them about this, most of the time, like, oh yeah, I don't want that going on. I don't want that going on in my head. I don't want to eventually have... You know, my my numbed brain sending weaker and weaker, weaker signals to my penis so then I can't get an, an erection lo- later on. It's in my best interest to no longer look at pornography. That's a selling point for a client that they can buy into. Not it's immoral. That's not going to be a good way to approach right. it. No, right. Exactly. So. Huh. More on this stuff. No, I think. Oh, that does we, it. We, we solved yeah. it. Don't look at porn. How about this? Yeah. 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 Don't do drugs. Have a good day. Yeah. Don't look at lumbar sexual porn or braille uh, porn. Lumbar for, sexual. Lumbar. For, for that matter. <laughs> lumbar sexual. <laughs> lumbar sexual. And that girl's got big, good back. Yeah. Lower back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. We'll see you next time. All righty. That does it for this episode of the Gorilla Social Work Podcast. We are going to get all up, all on out of here. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this discussion about pornography. We're going to be back on the next episode with another one of the Penitentiary Pundit episodes, I think. So tune in for that one. Otherwise, check us out on all the social media jazz. Feel free to reach out, pester us, or threaten us. Questions, comments, whatever you would prefer. Uh, it's Gorilla Social Works, G U E R R I L L A, Gorilla Social Work at Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. And we will catch you on the next episode.